Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Venture Stories by Village Global. I'm here today with a very special guest, Dan Runcie of Trapital. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So, Dan, everyone knows that, uh, you know, hip hop uh, and, and uh, rap is often associated with business. I'm, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. Uh, but what is what is underappreciated or what is misunderstood about just how much the relationship between uh, hip hop and business, how, how special that relationship is? We could start there with that quote, right? I think so much of it is that Jay-Z quote and people saw that as a transition, but there's so much more beyond him. And when I think about when things really started to turn, there's a few ways to tackle it, right? In many ways, hip hop has always been a business. And it's us that is catching up with it now that wasn't really the case a long time ago. So back in the 90s, Death Row had their landmark deals that they had where they were able to secure distribution and all of that for the deals that came in. Universal and Cash Money were able to do something similar. Master P and No Limit were able to do the same. And I remember when these deals happened, it was huge because back then, artists, especially hip-hop artists, were trained in many ways to just take what comes to you, right? If you are offered a record label deal, you're lucky to have made it. Everyone treats you as the one that came up, and that's great and all, but if you fast forward 20, 25 years since most of those deals have now happened, we're now in a pretty cool position where artists understand their leverage, they understand their position, and if people are taking record label deals, it's mostly because they understand the terms. If people aren't and they want to stay independent, they're doing that too. And now that artists themselves have been able to brand themselves, they're able to leverage their own power, they're making their own business deals, their own entrepreneurial moves, they're partnering with other brands to represent their likeness. I do think that artists and especially hip hop artists are flexing the multi-hyphenate status probably more than most other celebrities. And that's been really fascinating to watch. Yeah. Pretty similar to how the shift between the entrepreneur and VC relationship has evolved in the past decade where uh, VCs used to have all the powers. Founders used to, you know, come, you know, a cap in hand to Sand Hill Road. Um, and you used to need to raise money in order to get anything off the ground. But because of AWS, because of all the information out there on how to build a company, now it's much easier to build a company um, uh, without needing VC money, especially initially, but maybe even for, for the life, life, life cycle. And uh, that, that dynamic has been mirrored in, in music as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that these industries even more broadly than hip-hop, music. Music and tech has mirrored themselves in the democratization of what's now available, right? What AWS was able to do for tech, we're able to see what SoundCloud and what others have been able to do in music. How can you take power away from the people that initially had it, and if you're going to them, you're going to them for a good reason? And I think that in many ways that's continuing to trend both in the white spaces that we've seen and the friction that exists and the companies that built themselves on that friction. Of course, in tech now, people are 
almost on this wave of, okay, don't take the VC money if you need it. So that's where you have your funds like your NDVC, for example, that are like, let's position ourselves in between. And similarly, you have your record labels that are, hey, we don't want to take your masters, but let's help you, whether it's an empire or it's some of the things that SoundCloud is trying to do. How can we help be somewhere in the middle where we can productize and itemize the things that you need. You can keep what you want and everyone can be happy. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there. What are some of the white space right now uh, in the industry or that you're particularly excited about? I think there's a few things. One, how can artists themselves understand the right points to leverage their brand to the maximum extent? I think that there's a bit of a gap between seeing what someone like a Beyonce is doing where she can put out an Instagram post and she can put out something that's sponsored and get a ton of money there. She can get a movie deal. She can license her content. She can re-release something. So many of those things and a lot of those big deals are the things I'll talk about in Trapital. Some of that seems so far removed, even to some of the artists that we may hear about now. Take someone like DaBaby or someone like Meg The Stallion. These are rising artists. They're getting prime spots, whether it's on Coachella or other things, but there's still just a big gap between what they might be doing and what a Beyonce might be doing. How do you understand when the right time is to take that deal, to take that opportunity? So I think the companies that can understand that and realize that, okay, it may not be the Lion King, but there's other business deals that are there. I think the companies, whether it's agencies or others that can find those opportunities, those are the ones that can be successful. And the thing is, there are they are out there. When I look at one of the things I often talk about, I was recently interviewed talking about the alignment between hip hop and fashion. And one of the people I referenced was ASAP Ferg, and he's had a partnership with Tiffany for a few years. ASAP Ferg is not an A-list rapper, but Tiffany's is considered an A-list brand. So if you're willing to find people that can essentially be a strong agent or be a strong person and uncover those, those are where it is, or rather that's where it's at. It may not always be the person that is your agent, but if you can help artists find those opportunities, it isn't always going to be your rock nations or your others that may seem to be in the prime position, those opportunities are out there. And I think if companies themselves or founders can help identify those opportunities, do those things because artists have money. Artists want to be able to both leverage themselves. They want to be able to earn a higher return from the money that they have the opportunity to invest. And ultimately, if you're someone that can do that, I think that'd be great. Like I look at what, um, Lil Yachty or even Drake has done in video games. A lot of these artists are starting to invest in that space, whether it is with an esports league or whether it is with a specific investment opportunity like 100 Thieves or try to get a little bit more into the apparel. Those things are out there. So if you are a founder, if you're building those types of things, how can you focus a bit more on that? I think that's a wide open space. Let's uh, let's go through some pioneers uh, in the industry um, who've sort of innovated in something from a business perspective and, and what they represent. So I'll, I'll share a few examples I just thought off the top of the head. One is uh, Nas and Snoop Dogg being early to investing in startups, and there are a bunch of others who were also there and, and have followed since. But they they were early to realize that, hey, I know we're used to startups giving us money, but we're going to give them money in exchange for equity that is going to be you know, worth more. Um, I remember um, someone at Pinterest, or, or someone was 
some rapper was saying, you know, no, this startup should pay us instead of uh, us paying them. I, I, we don't get how it works. And someone in the room said, guys, Pinterest is worth more than your entire industry. Like you need to realize where, where the money's actually at. Um, and so that was pretty, and I, I've worked with Anthony Saleh, who's Nas manager and futures manager, who's sort of led the way for, for Nas there with Nas. Um, others that come to mind, Macklemore, um, not needing, uh, uh, not totally relying on a label, being able to hire uh, label services, but uh, but also being independent, paving paving a way there. Uh, Dre and Beats, uh, showing that you could have a meaningful, uh, I don't know if it was a co-founder or, or just meaningful equity position in, in a in a company that sells for you know over, over a billion dollars. Um, I thought Lil Dicky's rise uh, via like his first music video came out. He had never played a show. Like he he probably you know built up a huge fan base before ever playing a show. He never sort of came up locally, so to speak, totally digitally native. Um, and uh, and Jay Z with title trying to create his own basically you know streaming service in in, in competition with with uh, Spotify and the others. And you know it's probably not going to have the success that they've had. But he, they raised a strong. He cashed out. I think a pretty reasonable position. Um, feel free to edit any of my characterizations or which ones would you would you add to that in terms of pioneers yeah those are all good those are all strong ones uh the ones i would add master p is one of the people that often gets forgotten in this his 98 to 99 if i'll even go to 2000 run was impressive in terms of the tens of millions of dollars made the tens of millions of albums made and even things that we didn't even realize at the time he never went on tour during this run at all and he never had the best talent on his roster either but he was able to market and position this brand and just keep hitting the streets repetitively and in many ways that's a model that other labels are starting to follow now and he took that and also extended it to all the business deals that he did so he was able to start a phone sex company he was able to start a sports agency he had started and now he still has his rap snacks which is his um potato chips that he has that he's putting out with the distribution deals with walmart and elsewhere he's one of the first people to really extend things and i think it was a there was this period where it kind of became this not necessarily forgotten but there was this lull period where if you weren't jay-z or someone of that status you didn't really know how to replicate that so he's one of the ones that when i look at as a pioneer that his trend has been able to continue over time his has been truly fascinating i would say you also mentioned dr dre too Um, uh, did you happen to catch any of the interviews that him or Jimmy Iovine have done over the past few years talking about it? You really should. I think you would enjoy it. But they talked a lot about not only the story of Star of Jimmy Iovine starting Interscope, but fast forward to the two of them getting together with Beats by Dre and the impetus for how that starts and thinking about the time to then sell that company. I think that Beats by Dre not only was smart, but I think it came at the perfect time. If it came too early, I don't think it would have worked. If it came too late, it wouldn't have worked either. And I think that they've continued to pioneer. And even when I look at what Jimmy has done at Apple Music, he recently had an interview in the New York Times. And he called out some pretty interesting trends about where streaming is heading and where he's bullish, where he's skeptical. I think he's been a really strong one. Um when I think about other people that stick out, in many ways, I think that 
death row has been this polarizing child in a lot of ways too because so many of these artists that weren't even that were barely alive during this run still reference what suge knight had done and i think it reminds me of a few things right it's almost better to be better is a is a is an operative word but it's more impactful to be memorable but have like a polarizing stance on where you came from than have been successful and no one really remembered why you were that successful and it's a shame because i think there's plenty of other labels whether it's a so so deaf or others during that time period that did great things but they just weren't involved in this east coast west coast beef during that time so those things didn't necessarily continue but then as we fast forward to the 2000s Jay-Z, of course, was one of the strongest people in the decade. Of course, 50 Cent was as well. But one of the things that I've often written about in Trapital that I think is probably one of the more influential things are two of the deals that Jay-Z had made. So his split from Rockefeller when him and Damon Dash split, that was in the early 2000s. And then fast forward a few years when he was the president at Def Jam and he left that role in order to start Rock Nation. And with that, he was able to regain control of his masters. He was also able to get funding from Live Nation to start Rock Nation. And it was truly the start of the 360 deal. There were a number, of, there were a few artists that had them before, but his was the one that I think opened up a lot of eyes. It was him, Madonna, and a few others that did. And in so many ways, the moves that Jay Z has done truly set the tone for where hip-hop is going and it's in many ways a bit miraculous that someone has had that much control but it's so rare that you have someone that is hip-hop's most successful business person and the who many people consider to be the strongest rapper all in one it's like the perfect combination of cultural relevancy and business prowess and when you have the two of those things their moves are going to indicate a number of things so when we look at that 360 deal i think it opened up the doors of why bigger companies can partner with artists as opposed to just looking them purely as a customer or purely as someone that is, you know, the, the next step in the value chain. No, they can be both the next step in the value chain and they can be the person next to you at your, you know, standing shoulder to shoulder making the deals. And I think Jay-Z's thoughts, even the things that he did early on that were just a little bit ahead of the game with trying to use his albums and use his content as ways to make business to business partnerships and not necessarily just selling right. that to the consumers. Like BuzzFeed native. native exactly. Yeah. yeah. The BuzzFeed, um, his deals with the T-Mobile sidekicks yeah. or the Singular, back when Singular was one of the leading cell phone companies. He was always thinking of these things. Samsung. And I think, uh, Samsung. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that one yep. uh, and then Sprint most recently. Yeah. yeah. He was he, he's always thinking of these things, and I think so many artists are now thinking about, okay, how can I partner with a company that can help leverage their distribution? I can get more money from that. Or alternatively, a lot of artists still kind of have that Master P approach yeah. and a bit of that Chance the Rapper approach as well, which is that, you know what, that's all fine, but I'd rather own a smaller piece of that overall pie. And I think that's one of the things that's always been there in the music industry, but that's the trend that I think has been the most fascinating recently. Yeah. I want to name three other names before I forget. Um, I think Soldier Boy is underrated. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, what did he do? Phone, what are they called? Ringtones. Yep, yep. Is that where he made Yeah, Ringtone money? Rapper. Yeah. <laughs> he made a ton of money off Ringtone Rap. I forget the exact figure. Um, 
Um, I've quoted it before. I don't want to throw a number out there because I forget. But yeah, he's made a ton of money from that. And even just the way that he used to market and position himself, like he would throw his phone number in his songs. His album title was SoldierBoyTellEm.com. And he blew up on YouTube before people really knew how to monetize right. YouTube. He might, be, he might be worth like over $100 million. Is that fair to say? Uh I don't know. I just don't to know say, he's done tremendously far. well for how not great of a rapper he is. <laughs> not, not to call out Soulja Boy, he's just not, you know, Jay Z. <laughs> no, no, he's not. He he has the hustle. He, he has oh, the yes, hustle. Totally. You know, he's a businessman. Yeah, he, he definitely is. And not, he's not Jay Z the rapper. Right, right. Yeah. He, he's not Jay Z the rapper. He's had a few questionable business opportunities. Like he had this video game console that had all these bootleg games that he didn't clear yeah. the licenses for. But he for. takes risks. So. <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. He's yeah. willing to take yeah. some risks. It's funny, him though, in a lot of ways, I did make a lot of comparisons to what he did and what Lil Nas X did um, this, you know, in 2019 with Old Town Road. They both saw where things were going. Yeah. You can imagine the, the teenager that, yeah. in the room being able to look and what YouTube was for Soldier Boy is what uh, TikTok was for yeah. Lil Nas if, if X. If there's no Soldier Boy, there's no Lil Nas X. I don't know if it's true, but it's provocative. <laughs> that is provocative. Um, the other two, Nipsey Hustle, um, the of course. So selling a, a what, did he, what did he do? Limited edition mixtape, basically. Yep, the thousand dollar mixtape. Yeah, he Wu Tang also. With yeah, yeah, he only had a thousand of them. This was back in um, this is back in 2013. He limited the supply. Announced he was going to do it. Everyone thought he was out of his mind. What are you doing? But it made news, and he was able to sell out in just a few days. Jay-Z bought almost 100 copies himself, and then he ran it back two years later and did it with a $1,000 mixtape, and the same thing happened. And that highlighted something that exists in literally every industry, but only a few of them take advantage of. You have different customers that are willing to pay different amounts. It's always your goal to maximize that no matter what business you're in. And yeah, he was just like, yeah, I'm not just going to have every person stream my music for pennies on a dollar for per stream. Yeah. The um, other, and I think this person is ahead of his time in a couple different ways, uh, Ryan Leslie um, right. in, in two ways. One is he has the Superphone concept of, uh, making it easy for fans and artists to to connect, um, and that's more of a you know sort of Mailchimp for text message at, at scale. I think that's a very interesting engagement t- technique. But he also had this concept basically of like a SaaS album. Like every month he would release a track, and you would uh, pay monthly for for to subscribe. And um, I wonder, you know, Ryan isn't an A plus artist anymore, um, although he's quite good uh, and and he's a great business person, um, uh, and he's achieved a lot. And I'm I'm friends with them. I wonder uh, if other people will will follow that model uh, over time. Yeah, he was he was great with the two of those. I think in some ways, almost almost a little early, I would say, because I look at Superphone and he's been talking about this for years. And it was just this past year that community started to gain some traction, and now. We've seen everyone from Diddy and JLo and Gary V posting their numbers, and we know it's community, and it's like, oh, like, where it would have been cool to see Ryan Leslie do it. But this is kind of what happens in competition, right? Like, yeah. something comes along, and they grow from there. In terms of him as him as an artist, it was it was early to see, even the way that, this is a bit more on the music side, but even the way that he was producing beats yeah, yeah, and no, the style, it was amazing. like, 
you're doing this in the mid to late 2000s and it sounds like the stuff that people are doing now yeah he was he he was ahead of the time with that yeah so who now do you think is uh is really innovative that in a few years we'll be talking about man those moves in the 2019 2020 era were pretty significant who's doing something interesting yeah, and see, this is where it comes back to the controversial part of it, too, yeah. because these are the people that are memorable. And one of the people that comes to mind is Russ. Yeah. Russ is extremely polarizing. He is someone that I feel a lot of hip-hop fans know about because of the things he says and less about his music. And that's kind of, I hate to say it, but that is kind of the response for how someone becomes popular now. What can you say to create clout? What can you say to create a buzz? And if you at least have a fan base behind you, that will help. What I do think that Russ did, and it's honestly very similar to everyone that's creating Substack newsletters or anything else, have something, create a consistent beat, and build your following. Russ put out a song every single week. It wasn't perfect, it wasn't amazing, but he realized that being consistently good is more important than being occasionally great, yeah. at least the way that the era, at least the way that the streaming era is set up. And he was able to do that. He leveraged all the tools to be able to build his fan base. And I think that he's developed enough of a debate where people can go back and forth about, okay, well, that worked for Russ because, well, Russ is white and there's differences when you are a white rapper or Russ came up in this era and things are a little different if you're coming up now. But the fact that that's there, I think, will honestly make at least another faction of people not necessarily complain, but be like, okay, let me see what he's doing and then what can I replicate? Or even if people complain, they still will do both and understand where they can follow. So I think just the way that he was thinking about his business, like I had spoken with a friend that was on my podcast a couple months ago and he had met Russ before he blew up and Russ was asking him to invest money in Russ's career. And the friend was hesitant at the time because he didn't really have many rappers coming up to them and asking for them for deals like that. Like it was always help me sign a record label, not, hey, invest in me. Like, yeah. we're going to make this out like a term sheet the way you would invest in a company. So, like, when I heard that and thinking about the way Russ is now, I think he'll continue that. What do you think the legacy of, of Title becomes? Title's interesting because I think there's certain things that are working well for them, but there's certain things that are honestly just a black box. I think what works well is that Title at least on the surface, stopped playing the game of trying to compete with Spotify or trying to compete with Apple Music. I think they realized that they're not going to reach the 200 million subscribers. But can we offer something that the people that really enjoy us and the people that really support us in, um, will support? And I think they realized that their customers truly fall into one of two groups. One, title will attract the audio files that really care about lossless sound or want to ensure that they're getting the best. And second, they attract those that are truly passionate about where their dollars go to. There's a high number of people that will go to Spotify just because of social proofing and the size and all that. But the people that either A, want to support Jay-Z because they're bought into him and the Carter's mentality, want to support the fact that Tidal does a lot of charity and a lot of other philanthropic giving or the fact that just artists get higher payouts in general, they will attract those people. So they've been a bit smarter and a bit more tactical about the type of partnerships that they've done as opposed to a Spotify or an Amazon or Apple Music just going for like the broadest space possible. I think that'll help them from a customer segmentation perspective. The challenge though 
as I'm sure you know, is that streaming is not cheap. And they're still offering something that on its price point is the same price as everyone else. And while Tidal does keep things under wraps more so than most of the other music services, the financials can't necessarily work out, especially at the scale they are, considering the quality of service that they offer. And now that, at least the way that I've heard Rock Nation and a few of the others talk about it, things seem like they're kind of combined now, where one is truly subsidizing the other. And if that's the case, then you will have more lifeblood, no different than Apple Music being able to thrive because it's under the Apple umbrella. But I think that title will still be able to thrive i think there's a lot of people that were skeptical about title especially with jay-z's catalog coming off and with uh beyonce's lemonade album um or i said that wrong they didn't come off but the fact that they were now available on spotify both of them they're no longer just exclusive to title so there's no exclusive ip right um, I don't think that'll matter as much, at least for the core subscribers. I think they're still bought into those main things that I said. But overall, streaming is tough, and it's it's tough for Spotify as well. Like, this is not Netflix, where you have a fixed asset, and each incremental person is just more and more money on that. The streaming industry is completely different because the variable cost is just so high per subscriber. You have to pay 60 70 and some rates almost 80% based on who the licensing deal is with back to the catalog owners, back to the big three and everyone else. So it's a completely different game. And I know that um, Spotify is trying to add podcasts to the mix and do live events, things that are outside of the high royalty costs that you have to pay out. But is this temporary though? In, in 20 years, 30 years, will will we still be talking about catalogs the same? Like, are artists now giving away their catalogs in a way that will keep the sort of system going the way it is? Or are, are we going to see a change at some point? I don't think we're going to see a change anytime soon. I think that for two reasons. One, I think that there was a point a few years back when people kind of had the thought of, oh, well, if Chance the Rapper is blowing up, then does anyone really need these record labels, right? And the thing is, these record labels are willing to partner with people and still support them and offer them things that they just can't necessarily get otherwise. And in many ways, just to go back to how we started this conversation, it's no different than the venture capital aspect, right? Like it's kind of hard to build an Uber without venture capital funding. Like that just can't happen. And similarly, uh, when Taylor Swift ended her contract, which um, at the, when was that? The end of 2018, which was been an ongoing controversy with her and Scooter Braun, that now she re-upped her deal with Universal and she's now with Republic Records, which is home to all the superstars, your Drakes and the Weekends. So she chose to go sign with them in this era when people thought that we were all just going to move away from record labels. And it's because if you want to be at that scale, you want to sell out arenas, it still makes financial sense to be with those large entities that can do so. I just don't see why there isn't a competitor that offers just way better rates. I mean, because venture capital is it's a way better deal for the startup than record label is for. They take most of most of the. They give bigger advances, but take most of the proceeds. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, on the average, yeah. Um, so I guess right now the true competitor would be if you are a Taylor Swift, can you maintain your ownership? Because that's the thing. A lot of those terms may not be public, but the 
Taylor Swift deal that she took back when she was, you know, a teenager is very different than the deal that she has now. So in many ways, being able to build up the leverage becomes that competition, um, being able to do a distribution deal as opposed to selling away or giving away both your masters and your publishing. I think that's where things go. So the more leverage and the more clout you have, I think that does itemize things and some of those things can end up being a bit of a black box, but I mean, on the typical record label deal, the label, you may only be getting a 17% share relative to the 80 plus that the yeah. record label gets, but if you're able to get a bit more leverage, like we mentioned Nipsey Hussle briefly earlier, his was close to a 50-50 split for um, Victory Lap, which was his most recent album that he had out before he passed. Those are the type of things that we see, but yeah, you need leverage to be able to get there. If you're a rapper today who has some success and you're trying to be a billionaire, how do you do it? You can invest in startups and hope it's the next big company. You can uh, get you know a piece of vitamin water or, or start something like Beats by Dre. You can, but what are the things you could do? You can start your own label and find the next Drake or whoever. What what do you think are the best sort of bank you know bank for your buck ways to make the most money yeah i think if your pure goal is to how can i get as much money as possible as soon as possible you put yourself in that partnership mentality as opposed to the ownership yeah. mentality i think you have to accept that what chance is doing is great but i need to follow more of this jay-z model so where can i build up some initial leverage to be able to get the type of deal that i want and then after you do that, who are the people that I can partner with? So who are partnered with both from a music perspective, but outside of music? So can I partner with sports teams on a commercial? Can I partner with other brands and companies for merchandise? Can I do these types of things and leverage my brand in a way that only increases my fame? How can I be present in all these different areas that I know that my target customer will be? And the more that you do that, the more ubiquitous you can be. How can you find a way to make money off of the business partners that are interested? Because there, you'll run into, or rather, you won't earn as much money as you can if you're focusing solely on the individual consumers. How can you partner with businesses themselves? And I think the more that you can combine things, the better off you are. It's one thing to do a one-off commercial or one-off deal with this, but if you can have things work themselves out that you ha you have multiple interests serving each other, that's the way you ultimately do it. And I think that's what people miss out about Jay-Z, for instance. The fact that he bought title at the time for less than 60 million a few years later despite all of its turmoil was able to sell a third of that to sprint and then a few months after that he releases an album that then becomes exclusive to sprint customers for at least a certain amount of time sprint then buys those albums so then that then is bought by a company that has a third of an interest in a company that he already has it in that's how you do it totally uh diddy and, and Ciroc also uh Diddy's done very well for not being a rapper in a very long time. Right. Yeah, he's done very well for himself. Ciroc was interesting because I think what Diddy pulled off there was impressive. There was always this old um, saying that black people and people that follow hip-hop themselves aren't really drinking clear vodka like that. It was always brown or it was always one of the other 
you know, fruity drinks that was popular in the 2000s, like your Hypnotic or Alizé or something like that. So him being able to bring his branding to Ciroc and truly revive that brand from where it was was impressive. So his ability to do that, but then also include that Diddy's always been shameless about including that with his branding or including that with his music in some way. Like he didn't just view his Ciroc relationship as a one-off. He incorporated it in all the things that he did. Like he started calling Barack Obama Ciroc Obama to go and help him campaign back in 2008 and in 2012. Those things sound subtle, but it's like all those things help with That's your hilarious. branding. Uh, Dan, for, for people who really dug our conversation and, and uh, want to learn more about you and, and Tropital, uh, give, give a little plug for, for what you're, where you're doing Tropital and where you're going. Right. Trapital, for those that don't know, is a media company that covers the business of hip hop. I started this a year and a half ago, and my main vision was to elevate the discussion on hip hop culture. And I did this for a few reasons. I realized early on that the types of moves and decisions that hip hop artists were starting to make in many ways weren't that different from the things that were common day place that other industries did, but it was covered in depth in the Wall Street Journal or it got high profile coverage in Harvard Business Review. But hip hop was so far, it was so few and far between in those cases that I wanted to get a bit more coverage and things to highlight that. So I was doing freelance writing on the side when I had full-time job. I enjoyed it, but I didn't really feel like there was still a steady home. And that was even after writing for more and more reputable places. And a combination of that and seeing where media was going, I said, there's an opportunity to start this, build this, and see where it can go. And since I started it, it's become a resource for people in the industry to better understand where hip-hop is going and how they can use these insights and where streaming is going and where digital and how they can understand how their artist or how the business can better partner. And it's also been a pretty helpful resource for people outside of the industry too that are seeing how much hip-hop influence has grown and grown each year and how they can use that to think about partnerships for themselves. And it's been helpful in that regard and it's also been beneficial for me because I've been a fan of this and I enjoy this and I think it's been great to add value for that so for those interested please go to trapital.co that's t-r-a-p-i-t-a-l.co go to the website sign up I write a weekly newsletter and you'll get insights on the latest and greatest in hip-hop Dan it was great to have you on the podcast likewise thanks Eric If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Please hit us up at villageglobal.vc slash network catalyst.